0: Chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, I want to put a little addendum on the morning message with an evening follow-up on uh, prayer, making mention of you in our prayers. One of the common greetings of the Apostle uh, in his letters. You can find First Thessalonians after the string of Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and then the two Thessalonian books. First Thessalonians. Chapter one. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you and we pray that tonight we might be nourished yet again in our inner man through the work of your word and by your spirit. Bless us tonight in Jesus name and for his sake. Amen. First Thessalonians chapter one, look at verse two and three with me here. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father. Well, I want to talk a little bit here about uh, Covenant Church praying with thanksgiving and remembrance uh, as the apostle here uh, directs us. Now, you'll remember uh, that um, this is one of Paul's letters. Paul was the author of the bulk of the letters of the New Testament. He uh, seems to have written it in the presence and maybe with even the help <coughs> excuse me of Silas and Timothy. And it was written to the church in Thessalonica, which is <clears throat> kind of northern Greece in uh, the Macedonia region. The background of this letter, you'll remember, is that he is Paul is on a second missionary journey to the second of three. And uh, he is writing uh, back to those works that he has already founded. So the new mission is founded here in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's interesting that we see. Uh, At the very beginning of the letter, he says to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. John Stott, who I'll mention a couple times tonight in his commentary on this, says that it's interesting that within 20 years of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we find the coupling of the two persons of the Trinity, the Father and the Son, together as universal, as a part of the faith uh, of the church. And we see the common apostolic greeting, grace and peace to you is mentioned as well. But after that, we see two things. One, there is praying that Paul mentions with thanksgiving and that there is thanksgiving for the church regularly, filling the prayers of these missionaries. The second thing that we see tonight is that there is a remembering the evidence of true conversion, namely that the Thessalonians have the true marks of the church, faith and love and hope within them. So I want to talk about these two things tonight. First of all, I want to talk from verse two, praying with thanksgiving and then secondly, praying with remembrance, praying with thanksgiving. And secondly, praying with remembrance from verse three, those two points. Now, in verse two, we are told they always gave thanks to God for the church at Thessalonica. When Paul and his cohorts prayed, they always thanked the Lord for the church. Uh, The Greek word eucharistomen is the first word in this sentence in the Greek, which oftentimes is meaning that's the emphasis of the sentence there. They're not always tied to word order as closely as we are in English. But in this word eucharistomen, we get the English word for Eucharist, which often you may have heard at times around the Lord's table, meaning to give thanks. Paul would speak of the cup of uh, the, the Eucharist being that of cup of thanksgiving the the verb and I know this isn 't a Greek lesson, but the verb uh, is in the first person plural, meaning all three of these authors Timothy Silas uh, and uh, T- Timothy, Silas, and Paul, are all engaged in giving thanks to God, and they 're all grateful to God for the work of grace in the life of this church now. The church is um, to return regular thanksgiving to God for the blessings he gives us. And Paul sets this example. Paul always gives thanks to God for the converting grace given, not just to this congregation, but you'll notice as you work your way through the Pauline letters, he is regularly giving thanks uh, to the various churches. I'll just give you a sample of this in starting in the book of Romans chapter one and verse eight. Romans chapter one, and verse eight. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. And then if you go over to the next letter to first Corinthians. Uh, chapter one and verse four, what do we find? Well, something very similar. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given you in Christ Jesus. You go over to the next letter, second Corinthians chapter one. And it's interesting that and and remind you, friends, this is the Corinthians he's giving thanks for. This is a church that broke his heart. (laughs) Uh, Second Corinthians, chapter one, verse three. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and God of all comfort. Um, And then if you go down to verse 11. He says here, you also joining in helping us through your prayers so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf. For the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. And you could go on. They're all very similar. It's interesting, the one letter. Do you know the letter where he is silent on this issue? Anybody? It's a letter to the Galatians. And and I think it's because of the sense of urgency that Paul had. Paul feared they were departing from the faith. And it's the one letter where Paul doesn't give the common sense. Uh, what am I trying to say? Apostolic salutation and thanksgiving that he normally gives in the rest of these letters. Um, and I think it's because he's like a mama bear that's been robbed of her cubs and he's coming after them uh, with great intensity. You remember that that's where he says some of his hardest words. You know, you fools who has bewitched you. you. You're leaving the faith. You began by the spirit. Now you're trying to perfect yourself by the works of the law. You've forgotten justification by faith alone. And 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 it is a crisis, a theological crisis, but one of such proportions that uh, it's the one letter where we don't see Paul giving thanks unless you happen to believe that Paul wrote Hebrews, which some do. Um, And I I don't know. I don't know where I am on that subject. But uh, but anyway, so Paul regularly would give thanks. I think this is something we should think about um, ourselves. I know I am deficient in thanksgiving in my prayer life. I I know it and it's a problem and I need to correct it. Um, but it's it was the apostolic practice to give Thanksgiving in prayer uh, for the church and for the blessing of God. And so um, I want to encourage you tonight to make Thanksgiving a part of your prayers, thanking God for this church, thanking God for the other churches that we have in our presbytery, thanking God for churches, maybe in our community that are faithful to believing the Bible to be the word of God. We need to thank God for the works of grace. It's wasted grace on us if we don't return thanks back to God. Um, We need to thank God anytime somebody's brought to saving faith in Jesus Christ, not take professions of faith, even if they be covenant children from whom we hope and pray and expect to make those professions. You know, we shouldn't um, be any less uh, thankful. I think one of our ruling elders has made the point that it takes as much grace to convert a covenant child as it does One outside the covenant. And I think he's right about that. We need to be thankful for that. Um, The establishment of new churches and mission works. We ought to be thankful for those. We ought to be grateful for what God has done in coming Georgia. Providence giving us a new mission work. We ought to be thankful for covenant in Buford that came and joined us. We ought to be thankful that... We had a mission work in Royston, and now that mission work is a particular church. You know, there just used to be two of us in the state of Georgia in the OPC when I got ordained. And now there's six, seven of us and another Bible study in Griffin that's moving towards possible, missionary status by the end of the year. And we ought to thank the Lord for that. Thank the Lord for Lacey Andrews. Thank the Lord for the new work in Winston-Salem. Thank the Lord for the new work on the coast, eastern coast of Carolina. Ethan Bolliard, who's becoming the pastor out there. Um, thank the Lord that the church in Lynchburg just got a new pastor installed uh, last night, two nights ago, Friday night, Friday night. Um, we Pastor Benny uh, was installed and, and uh, ordained even. So we ought to thank the Lord for the members of our church. Um, use the directory as a means of thanking. Use the prayer calendar that Savannah puts out there for us in your family times. Uh, use those as, as a means of thanking the Lord. Now, I also want to show you that the apostle then in verse three prays with remembrance as well. He prays with thanksgiving, but he also prays with remembrance in verse three. That as they prayed, these missionaries remembered. They reflected on the evidences of the uh true conversion of the Thessalonians. And here you have Paul's somewhat. Familiar common triad of the Christian life in verse three. Notice there you find and he uses this in uh, different places in his writings. But notice there in verse three, you'll see that faith is mentioned. Love is mentioned and hope is mentioned. Those three things. And that's why I call it the triad of the Christian life. Faith, hope, love. Um, All three of these are evidences of of a genuine work of the Spirit in the life of these people who formerly were idolaters. They've come to faith in Jesus Christ. They've come to love God. They've come to love one another. And they've come to have a hope in eternal life, in the resurrection. And John Stone, in his commentary on this, says, notes three things here. He says, number one, with regard to faith, it's a faith that is toward God. He, Paul remembers them and thanks Them that they have a faith toward God. Secondly, a love towards others. And then thirdly, a hope toward the future. Sot notes that each of these is productive. Faith works. Notice the verb. A verb goes with each of these. Well, it's not really a verb, but a work of faith and a labor of love here. And then thirdly, an endurance, a hope in the Lord, a steadfastness of hope or an endurance, you might call it. And there are some other places where we see this as well. For example, in 1 Thessalonians chapter five, just a page or two over in your Bible, if you see in verse eight, you'll notice that same triad is there. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Paul uses it in Romans, chapter five as well. Romans chapter five, verses one to five. He says, therefore, having been justified by faith. And then in verse two, he says, we have obtained introduction by faith into this grace. And later in that verse, he says, we exult in hope. And then in verse four, he says, after proving character, there is hope. And verse five, hope does not disappoint because the love of God. Again, all three of them mentioned there in those five verses. Faith, faith, hope, 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 love all mentioned. That many times that I just said you see it in Galatians as well. In Galatians chapter five and verse five, Galatians five, five, for we through the spirit by faith are waiting for the hope of righteousness for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. So there again, you see it faith, hope, and then verse six, you see Love is mentioned also in Col- Colossians chapter one. And, and I emphasize this because I think it should cause us to reflect, you know, that when Paul repeats these things, it's because it's of significance. It's a very uh, central part of his theology, his thinking when he pens these letters uh, Colossians chapter one four, again, the same triad. Since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints. And the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. And those three things need to be marks in our life. That we demonstrate faith, genuine faith in Jesus. We demonstrate a genuine love for one another. And also a hope of heaven. That should be something that we should look for in ourselves. Look for in our children as they are growing in grace. As we're looking for credible professions of faith. We want to ask, are there, ev- are there evidences of faith? Are there evidences of love for others? Is there an evidence of a hope that should they die tonight, they would be present with the Lord? In Ephesians chapter four. uh, Verses uh, two and two through five. Ephesians four, Paul says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. And then he says, be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit, the bonds of peace. And then you get down to verse four. There is one body, one spirit, just as you also were called in one hope of your calling. And then verse five. This is not a coincidence. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. This is again and again. It's in it's in the thinking. Now, for those of you who do think that the book of Hebrews might have been written by the Apostle Paul. Hebrews will look at Hebrews six. Even if it wasn't written by Paul, maybe influenced by Paul's teaching. Hebrews 6, verse 10 to 12. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name. How? How did they show love in ministering and in still ministering to the saints? It was love for each other. If you feel like your love for each other is growing cold, if you feel like your love for others is growing cold, then then. Go back to the basics here. Go back and, and, you know, pray to the Lord and ask the Lord to give you love for your people. I remember a minister saying one time he um, many, many, many years ago, he was saying that um, he was a PCA minister that I attended his church uh, when I was in school and uh, remember him saying he was struggling to love others. And he just prayed, God, give me a love for the church. Give me a love for your people. Give me a love for your people. And and God answered that prayer and it kicked in very really powerfully. So it was a really uh, momentous time in his life where God just really did give him a sensitivity, a, a desire, a warmth for, for God's people. Um, but you'll notice there that you have love there in verse 10. You have hope mentioned in verse 11. And then you have faith mentioned in verse 12. And the same thing when you get to... Hebrews chapter 10, that same triad there is mentioned again. In verse 22, he says, let's draw near with sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Then you'd notice in verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. And then he says in verse 24, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. And we saw that this morning in the call to worship. So these three things, uh, Paul prays with remembrance, getting back to. Our text here in Thessalonians, he says that he makes mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind your work of faith and your labor of love and your steadfastness of hope here. Now, let's talk just a little bit about this. First of all, the work of faith. Paul remembers the work or the works produced by faith here. I think what Paul is saying here is kind of like James two seventeen. Faith without works is dead. And then you have the phrase, the labor of love. That is that their love for one another is expressed in something that may cost them. This is it, the stress here is uh, a cost to those who love others. Parents, you know this well, the, the cost of loving a child. The sacrifices that you make as a mother, you know, rising up in the middle of the night to tend to them when they're sick. And the worries and the anxieties that you have for their development and all, all of that that cost you. You have verse 3, the steadfastness of hope. Now here, hope in the New Testament, you have to understand that, especially I want you children to understand. Hope in the New Testament, when Paul speaks about hope, he, he's really referring to a certainty. In our common usage of the word hope, it tends to be an uncertainty. In emphasis, man. I hope my team wins this weekend. Yeah, that's how we often use hope. I want you to understand. Paul doesn't use that word in that way, and we we have to understand the way Paul uses it. Paul here, when he speaks about a hope, he's speaking about the certainty of something that's still in the future. So when Paul says the hope of heaven, he's not saying, "Man, I hope I make it." Is in, man, I, I'm not certain, but I'm kind of. Almost sort of certain, no, what Paul means he is certain when Paul uses hope of heaven, he means assured of heaven based on the work of Jesus Christ on his behalf it's a certainty of the future here that 's how paul Paul uses the word hope. Um, Calvin has said John Stott quotes John Calvin. In his commentary, Calvin says this is a brief definition of true Christianity. Um, a brief definition of true Christianity. Let me make a few applications uh, tonight. First of all, uh, children in the church and parents um, here tonight. When we speak on behalf of the session tonight as elders, um, we are not just looking for right answers from you. We want right answers, of course, (laughs) Uh, but we're looking for evidence that you have a a vital relationship with Jesus Christ. You have sincere faith in Jesus Christ. That—that's what we want from you. We, and and we want to help you. You know, faith comes by grace uh, through the hearing of the word. And yes, it is—it is a work of God and not of men. But the elders can help steer. Young people and people outside the church who need to come into the church, uh, to the, what it is to have a true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. and we would urge you to take us up on that as I come to your homes this year, if I haven't come already uh, to let's talk about your faith in the Lord. I don't want to just talk about your knowledge. I do want to talk about that. And I want to talk about your faith in the Lord. Do you have faith in Jesus Christ? Are you trusting tonight um, in the Lord Jesus? Do you, do you have a love for him? Do you desire to know him and, and to be known by him? The other thing, secondly, is, is that of love. Do you have a love? Do you find that you're growing in love for other people? That your life is becoming less self-centered? And more centered on the needs of other people. Are you growing in love? Thirdly, your hope. Do you have an assurance here of salvation? Now, we have to always be careful because some true believers who do have genuine faith in Jesus don't always have full assurance. And that's a pastoral problem. Your pastor used to struggle with that when he was young. Um, He, I, uh, had trouble with assurance Uh, After I came uh, to Christ, Um, and I think I've mentioned to you before, there are two groups that are most susceptible to assurance issues. Group number one, are new converts to Christ. Group number two, uh, you young mothers, uh, because you get worn out Uh, and weariness in motherhood often uh, seems to have an effect on assurance. Um, I don't fully understand it, but um, other than motherhood is a very tough job, and it it those are two candidates who often struggle uh, with assurance from time to time. If you've never struggled with it, don't worry, be thankful. Uh, but um, <laughs> yeah, don't don't look for it. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, realize that uh, those of you who might be in one of those two categories might be susceptible to it. The other thing I want to say um, is this, that Paul, uh, a couple more points, Paul and his colleagues prayed regularly with thanksgiving for the work of grace in the lives of the Thessalonians and others. And I think our corporate prayers, our family prayers, our private prayers need to be filled with thanksgiving to God for the evidences of grace we see. And as I've confessed to you, this is a deficiency. I think in my own prayer life, I tend to, I think I tend to, emphasize the things I don't have emphasize the things that I'm not seeing kind of like a maybe like an engineer you, know, you see the problems and you pray about the problems and you want the problems to get fixed and you're not grateful for the things that are fixed and that you don't have to intercede for so pray with thanksgiving um, finally you know, may, pray that the Lord make us thankful uh, give us grateful hearts And also that the Lord would increase the reasons we could have more offerings of thanksgiving to the Lord um, as a church. So as we pray for these mission works, as we pray for new churches, as we pray for the mission fields, let's also remember to give thanks for what God has been doing. This presbytery has been growing. It's been exciting to be in the presbytery of the southeast. You know, um, other presbyteries have not necessarily experienced all the growth that uh, we have. And I, I. I don't know. I'm not a prophet or a son of a prophet, but I think a day is coming where, uh, as a presbytery, we're going to have to think um, about dividing again, uh, which will be a good thing geographically. You know, you always hate to lose the fellowship with brothers that you've been with, you know, for the last 18 years or so. But, um, you know, you just have to do those things for the kingdom. I know the last presbytery we had in April um, uh, was held at the church in Matthews, North Carolina. And uh, they hold the meeting every spring. It's just one of the ministries they do for the Presbytery. They're very centrally located. And um, they had record attendance. Um, We had so many people at Presbytery this past time, both presbyters and visitors, that uh, we had to eat in shifts um, for the first time uh, because there's just too many people to go all into the Fellowship Hall at the same time. So the Lord is, is doing a lot of work in our Presbytery. And uh, we as a congregation want to be thankful for that ourselves. We're praying uh, for what we call, uh, we we kiddingly call it the Peachtree Presbytery. uh, But we're kind of not half kidding. We're serious about it. We meet once a month in Atlanta to pray for uh, new mission works. We're praying that uh, God would give us a presbytery uh, of our own uh, right here in Georgia. We might have to steal a few from South Carolina and Alabama, uh, but uh, we'll take them too. And uh, but uh, do be in prayer about that. And uh, let's be thankful uh, as the Lord hopefully does those things for us. Let's pray.